You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. Brightening up nicely here in TW11 on Monday, the 15th of May. We had classic trials over the weekend. We had classics over the weekend, reflections to follow. We also are looking forward to the Dante Festival at York, to the Preakness at Baltimore. We look as far ahead as Royal Ascot with international contenders later in the programme. But we begin with news of this week's feature race in the UK. The lock-in stakes at Newbury Saturday, a mile group one. We're hoping to see in Spiral, the star three-year-old filly from last year who was spectacular at Royal Ascot. Been speaking to Chris Richardson from Cheveley Park Stud. And this is what he had to say. Uh, she looks fantastic. She she um, she's wintered really well. Um, I took um, Mrs. Thompson down to uh, see all her horses with John Gosden um, during the Guineas meeting. And um, while she, you know, she's come come in her coat, uh, she would prefer that uh, uh, that Inspiral wait uh, until she's sort of fully blooming. Uh, as she did last year, and go to Royal Ascot, um, and um, well, well, that's going to be that'll be the, that'll be so the Queen Anne would be the target. I, I was having quite an interesting conversation actually with Dermot Well the other day on the podcast about fillies in the spring, and I, he said just so sometimes they 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 tell you, and the way they cycle just tells you no, leave me until the summer. Yes, I think that's very true. And I, I, I think you know she she did this last year. She wasn't one hundred percent, and she 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 you know when she's ready, she tells us, and, and she wants to go. And I, um, you know, I know that um, you know it'll be disappointing not to see her next weekend. And obviously, the ground will be what the ground will be. But um, I, I'm sure that um, you know we'll we'll see you know, hopefully see her at her best again. Um, and let's just give her the time that, that she needs. And she, as I said, she'll tell us. And, and um, Felicia Thompson was very, very happy to, uh, to to give her the time. Sacred was superb at Lingfield at the weekend. Now, I know it's a race in that sort of grade. She ought to be she ought to be winning. But you must have been pleased with the way that she did it and the enthusiasm she, she still shows for the game. Oh, fantastic. So, so exciting. And she's been pleasing... Uh, William and, and everybody uh, this spring and, and once again when I took Patricia Thompson to see her uh, with William she just looked absolutely blooming and uh, we were very uh, initially rather disappointed that we were probably not going to be able to run because she does like uh, uh, you know to be on the top of the top of top of the ground rather than in a bog um, so uh, just having been switched onto the all weather was uh, was fantastic. Uh, Ryan gave her a beautiful ride, and um, I think afterwards he said to me, "She's a joy to ride," and, and he gave gave a great feel. So um, lovely to see her back. Uh, it certainly was. I saw you. You actually had her entered in the lockage. I wondered if you might go for an audacious wheel back quickly, but no. No, I think um, I think she's got such a great turn of foot um, that uh, Queen Elizabeth II Jubilee uh, will probably be her target at the royal meeting once again. Obviously. Uh, Mrs. Thompson really enjoys the royal meeting and loves to have runners there, as as, as does everyone, of course. But uh, um, no, just thrilled to see her do it so well and, and, and be so impressive. Uh, really exciting. All right, that was Chris Richardson from Sheebly Park. Starting Spiral won't run in the lock-in stakes at Newbury this weekend. David Yates is my Monday guest. 
David, we'll have to wait a little longer for Inspiral, but if she does what she did at Royal Haskett last year, it'll be worth the wait. You can see you can see the way they're thinking here, can't you? Though it'll be a disappointment not to see her. It's disappointing, but there's something of a pattern here, Nick, isn't there? Remember, she was favourite for the 1,000 guineas of 2022, and John Gosden warned that then she was going to miss the classic because she'd been slow to come to hand. We didn't actually see in Spiral until the 17th of June last year, when, of course, she was explosive in the coronation stakes and she added another group one to her cv when uh, she won the jacques lemarois at dover in august so it's disappointing that we won't see her at newbury on saturday she's certainly um one of the the older brigade that we were really looking forward to in 2023 but when you look at her past history and the fact that we've had a fairly uh inclement cold spring it's not a massive surprise that she's um, not quite ready to make her comeback this weekend. But obviously, we do look forward to seeing her, and hopefully that will be at Royal Ascot. Yeah, I, I bet in some ways, Connections would rather it was on the round mile rather than the straight mile, given the straight mile was where she was a little bit naughty at the back end of, of last year. But if she if she reappears fresh and well and in the same form as she was in in the Coronation Stakes last year, she will be a formidable adversary for any miler anywhere in the world. We saw another good filly yesterday, I think, in Blue Rose Sen. Christopher Head becoming the latest sign of the most amazing training dynasty to have a, a classic winner. She won the Poule d'Essay des Pouliches at Longchamp, I thought in, in fine style, Dave, providing her sire Churchill with another French um, smart classic winner after Verdani's exploits last year. As you mentioned, Christopher Head hails from that incredible racing dynasty, grandson of Alec. Uh, of course, he learned from his father, Freddie, and his aunt, Cricket, as well as with the likes of uh, Guillaume Macaire. He set up late in 2018. He said that he was anxious to do it in a in a low-key uh, way that was perhaps a, a away from uh, his father at the time. But there's nothing much low-key about Blue Rosen now. Um, she won the, the pre-Marcel Boussac at Longchamp in October. She's now had her last four races over the mile at the Paris track and she's unbeaten there. She was really impressive yesterday, but I think um, what looked notable to me, Nick, was the fact that, yes, she was an impressive winner over a mile, but after the race, Christopher Head said uh, she'll be even better over a further distance, and that was what that was the the first thought that entered my head, even watching the race live. Uh, British hopes were um, held by Isaac Shelby in the Emirates Pool d'Essay de Pula. He lost by just a, a short neck under Sean Levy to Mahaba Ya Sanafi, who went off 26 to 1. Mahaba Ya Sanafi, trained by Andrea Schutz, a German born, once based in Hong Kong, now back in Chantilly. And this is what Andreas had to say about the victory when I spoke to him a little earlier on. Well, it's a great feeling to win Group 1 and win Classics anywhere in the world. And obviously here also, it's the same story. I'm very happy for the for the team and very happy for the owner to have achieved such a, such a big win. Uh, actually, it was a bit unfair to him to be such a big prize because he was not too far beaten of the odds-on favourite. And he should have been somewhere between 10 and 15, maybe 20 maximum. But the prize was much lower than expected. But that's probably down to my name rather than the horse ability or, or the connections uh, ability 
but uh, I didn't. I wasn't worried about it. I had a lot of outsiders run good in big races, and uh, Java, the owner himself, Java Abdullah, he, he was just uh, second in the 2000 Guinness with a big prize horse, and uh, fifth in, in the in the 1000 Guinness with a big prize horse. So, so it wasn't really scary to us. Uh, you say your name rather self-deprecatingly. You, you've had huge success. You were a great, great success in your homeland in, in Hong Kong uh, with Good Baba and, and many more. And um, people shouldn't be put off by A. Schutz, should they? Well, I suppose in France, people wouldn't know much about my, uh, to do with my name and they didn't know much about me. But, uh, well, we've, we've been doing well in, in big ways in particular. We finished fourth in the Jockey Club a couple of years ago. Uh, had had like two group winners and many group plays last season, few listed winners on top. So we've been doing well in, in sort of uh, top class races and and but people just start to get to know me here in France. Uh, and well, I think in the beginning they couldn't even spell my name right. <laughs> so that's, 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 that's on the improving side as well. So I hope uh, this race can make a difference to our future here. Um, everyone was making an awful lot of Christopher Head being a fifth generation trainer. You were a fourth generation trainer, so it's a, it's it's good it's good it's good good heritage both ways. Yes, yes, yes. My, my father was well. I was champion trainer myself. Uh, I think four years in Germany, and I won. We won the World Series with Ron Halls one year, having a big win in Singapore and being placed in the Man of War and the Diamond uh, Stakes, and plus a few wins in Germany. And we've been placed in the Arctic placed second in the Breeders' Cup. So we've done we've done a fair bit before I went to Hong Kong. In Hong Kong itself, I was able to uh, play, uh, give the to, to to train the best horse in Hong Kong at the time, Good Baba. Uh, win six once with him. And uh, coming here was I wouldn't say it was a bad, but I mean I was expecting it not to be easy. We started with from zero and sort of established as 15, 14, 15, 16 horses. But lucky enough, they were good horses and I was able to compete at top level. Absolutely. And and what would be the, the plan next? He was he was really hitting the line hard and Mikel was winding him up a, a long way out. I thought, well, that horse has got Prix de Jockey Club written all over him. Uh, yes, so that's, that's how it looked like. And, and uh, I think that's the plan. I will have to discuss it with the owner finally and... and uh, but from my impression, he definitely wants a bit further than what he's been running, especially when the grounds get better than soft. And, and uh, well, I'm personally looking into the Joshi Club, but I need to confirm those plans with the owner. Andrea Schutz, a, a rather self-effacing for a man who's achieved as much as he has during his um, career. And Mahaba Yasanafi, similar to, to Blue Rose Sen in some respects, Dave, although the margin of victory wasn't great and Isaac Shelby ran really well. It looks as though he'll be a much better horse when he stepped up in trip. Mikel Barcelona was shoveling it on a long way out. There weren't the extended distances in this case that it was heartbreaking for Isaac Shelby. Got that lovely run towards the far rail uh, to lead and was just collared in the closing stages. In the end, there was a short neck between uh, the winner and the runner-up. But yes, it certainly looks as though um, the first horse will benefit from going up in distance. Brian Meehan afterwards... Uh, he threw us something of a, a slight conundrum with regard to Isaac Shelby's target at Royal Ascot, didn't he? Yeah, after the race, Dave, Brian Meehan suggested that the Commonwealth Cup might be the target rather than the St. James's Palace. I, I do tend to think these these sons of night and daughters of night of thunder 
they they tend towards the quicker side of miling rather than the extended side of it. I see where he's coming from. I do, but I, I think I'd be inclined to roll the dice at a mile again. Um, it was pretty soft ground yesterday in Paris. Yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd be inclined to give Isaac Shelby another go at a mile. Interesting with uh, Mahaba Yesenafi, of course, to see the uh, the colours of Jabra Abdullah back in the winner's enclosure after a race like the Poulain. And as Andreas was saying, another excellent weekend for Jabba Abdullah, uh, who, of course, for many years was one of the patrons of Mick Shannon, who has handed over the license at his West Ilsley base to his son, Jack, who is going great guns and has two very smart fillies in his care. One has already finished fourth in a 1,000 guineas, Ken Arfin. The other one is a filly called Gather Ye Rosebuds, who at Newbury on her debut made a striking impression, scooching away by nine and a quarter length. She's won of several really exciting fillies declared for Wednesday's Musadora stakes, though she still at this stage has the option of going to Newbury on Saturday. Uh, I put in a call to Jack Shannon earlier on, and I suggested to him that on on her debut, for all she was a big price, he was surprised, but maybe not that surprised. Yeah, well, I'd say I'm not surprised she won, but I'm surprised on how she won. It was more the uh, it was more where the surprise was, you know. Um, you know, we've always thought she was a nice filly, um, but uh, you know, our horses do tend to to improve for runs. And I knew that she was in good form and moving well and everything like that. And I knew she had a decent amount of ability, but um, to um, to do what she did to a field uh, to what, what looks a lovely field, you know, I think Richard Hannon's filly's going straight to the Oaks. They, I think they were very surprised she got beat, and um, you know. Yeah, so you could say I was slightly surprised, but I wasn't surprised she won. You made the point to me after the race that you thought that a flatter track would suit her ideally. Is that something you still still hold firm to? Um, well, I suppose, you know, she, she is quite, what she is, she's, she's a very lengthy, rangy filly. And um, um, you, you'd have thought that, you know, a, a galloping track would be her ideal. But, you know, we've never tested her on, on anything um, bar that, so... You know, I couldn't. You couldn't rule out that she wouldn't handle something like Epsom. Um, it's just, uh, you know, when you look at when you look at horses, you sort of try and try and gauge what you think they'll like and what they won't like. Um, but um, but no, nothing's. Just, she is a well balanced filly at the same time as being a big filly. So there's every chance she could handle a, a, a more undulating track. So what will determine whether you go to York or Newbury? Um, I suppose, I suppose it will be that there's probably be a much for much as I think, um, I think obviously York, um, obviously offering some serious prize money, um, will probably have maybe a, could potentially attract a, a better field. You know, you've got, um, uh, Sir Michael Stout's Philly in there from Cosmos. Um, as well as um, Rafe Beckett's well-touted uh, three opposite blue stocking. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a few, but, but again, they're, they're just maiden winners just like us. So, you know, they're, they're all, all reputations sort of going up against each other. Um, I think, you know, what we'll do is we'll, we'll have a look at the uh, the entries um, uh, at Newbury um, and me and Dad will sit down, go through it and um, and make a decision from there. Oh, how did Carnarfon come out of the, the 1,000 guineas? She ran a great race. What's the plan with her? She's in great form, you know. Um, me and Dad were just—we were literally just looking at her there, coming home from up the gallop. She's she's started to flourish, you know. She's coming her coat. Um, she's moving well. She's she's bounced. She's really bounced out of the guineas. To be perfectly honest, she lost a bit of weight afterwards, which, which is to be expected. You know, it was quite a grueling test um, on that ground um, um, last Sunday, and but she seems so well in herself, and she started to put put all that weight back on. Um, and I'm very, we're very, very happy with the with how she's come out of it. And um, I think we'll certainly well, we've got her in the Oaks and we've got her in the French Oaks. And I'd imagine it'll be one of those two 
um, uh, will be where she goes next. And does that depend to a greater or lesser extent on what happens to Gather E Rosebuds this week? No, not at all. You know, they're owned by different people um, and we'll do what's best for, for, for both individual fillies. Um, you know, uh, you know, like I say, if I've, if I've got two in the Oaks, I'll be very, I'll be very happy. If I've got one in the Oaks, I'll be, I'll be happy as well. I could have none in the Oaks, you know, you know, it's, um, it's one of those, but we, you know, we, we like to treat each individual horse on their merits and give, and, you know, the, the, like I say, they're owned by different people. If they both want to have a go, then we'll facilitate that for them, you know. And if I said to you 12 months ago, right, I'll, I'll be talking to you in a year, you'll have the license and uh, you're going to be talking about two horses that you're going to try and run in, in classics in, in June, what would you have said? I said you're bonkers. <laughs> well, everybody knows that, but... <laughs> no, look, it's, 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 it's not something that, you know... You, you can sort of it's something you hope you know you've got i think any trainer at any point sort of thinks they've got a nice body of horses but the reality is is that most of them will fall by the wayside and not not reach that top level and the fact that obviously canarthen's proven that she's certainly near that top level in the guineas um is, is fantastic and, and and gives you confidence that you can have a look at these big races and go in there and feel like you belong and obviously we've got a very nice filly that, that's still very unexposed but all, but again all she's done is win a maiden just like infant cosmos and blue stocking you know these these fillies have the potential to be very good but they've got to go and prove it now and um no it's a it's a surreal position to be in and i'm just you know, just absolutely delighted to, to be in it you know Jack Shannon there talking about his two classic fillies, Gather Ye Rosebuds and Carnarfon. Could both end up in the Oaks, Dave, which is pretty extraordinary. But Gather Ye Rosebuds made a big, big impression at Newbury on her debut. It'd be great to see Jack Shannon follow his father uh, into group race victory with Gather Ye Rosebuds. Of course, Mick was a really popular member of the training community, trained for 33 years, so many uh, group ones among them. And certainly, well, it's it's early days to say how high Gather Ye Rosebuds is going to fly, but she couldn't really have done an awful lot more first time of asking. A really good trial. And, and we spoke to James Savage last week about the likely favourite for the Musadora, Infinite Cosmos. She's just a maiden winner as well, but from a great family that Sir Michael Stout has done extremely well with. And this sort of more, more boutique stable of Sir Michael's now has got some real talent in it. And passenger supplementary for the Dante looks significant in itself if he goes to that race on Thursday. Yeah, I think that does look significant. I mean, this horse, of course, we didn't see until the Wood Ditton at the Craven meeting. He was declared for the D-Stakes at Chester uh, last Thursday. He didn't run there after, of course, there was uh, that deluge I would have thought even years ago that a supplementary like this would have just made my ears prick up. And even more so now, Passenger, obviously we don't know the value of the form with the Wood Ditton. It's very hard to get a handle on uh, form where none of the horses have run previously. We've got a short price favourite for the Oaks. The Derby betting is a lot more open. We're looking at about four or five to one the field. But I, I think it's an interesting race, but it's one that we, we haven't seen a, a sort of potentially explosive star emerge yet. It could be passenger. In case you thought the jump season was over, think again. Notable international exploits, one that's been achieved, one that's yet to be realised. First of all, Willie Mullins has struck, surprise, surprise, in Tennessee, in Nashville, in the Iroquois steeplechase, a grade one, a local grade one, with the Malcolm Denmark-owned Scaramanga. And Shark Hanlon has declared that Hewick's next adventure will be for the Grand Corse des Dauteuil, the French champion hurdle, in a couple of weeks' time.
yeah, interesting that that um, I, I, I've never been to Percy Warner Park. Um, the Iroquois Hurdle, that of course honouring the Derby winner of eighteen eighty one, Fred Archer rode that the first American bred horse uh, to win the Epsom Classic, and it just shows, doesn't it, that 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 Willie Mullins. You know, we know that uh, he's an irresistible force in in Ireland, in Britain, and sometimes in France. But uh, now he's going to America, and with a, a horse like Scaramanga, who I think, who I think we would agree is not one of the leading lights these days at Clasarton, he's able to go to America and clean up there as well. And a little bit of news, Dave, just come to us this morning that Honeysuckle is successfully in fold to walk in the park. So mission successfully accomplished. Yeah, that's right. Peter Maloney tweeted. Uh, this morning that the scan had shown Honeysuckle to be in full walk in the park, as you say, is um, the uh, stallion that's covered her. So, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's the the next chapter of the, the story to look forward to, isn't it? She was an amazing mare, and certainly it would be uh, a, a delight if her progeny were to prove anything like as good. But uh, one chapter closed very memorably at Cheltenham in March, and we've got another one to look forward to now. Couple more bits of news to tidy up, Dave. Uh, first of all, what well, we 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 spoke last week about Giroud Bruder's uh, ban and the fine for trainer Charles Burns with regards to the the running and riding of a of a horse in Ireland. Uh, Warren Greatrex has found himself in in hot water in similar circumstances this side of the Irish Sea. But unlike Charles Burns, he didn't throw his jockey under the bus and was prepared to uh, accept responsibility, even though he disputed the the steward's findings. Yeah, Jet of Dreams, as you say, was uh, second to the odds-on favourite Soldier of the Storm at Warwick on Saturday. If you watch the race, it's quite true that Dylan Kitts, who's a seven-pound claimer, uh, he, he didn't raise his whip hand at any point. I think that it, it's not hard to see the view of the trainer, Warren Greytrex, that he's trying to hold the horse together, but... It's also, uh, I think, inevitable looking at it that the stewards took a dim view. Um, they banned the jockey for 14 days um, in that he had failed to ride his mount in such a way that he could be seen to ask for a timely, real or substantial level of effort. And I think it's hard to argue with that. And um, giving his side of the story, Warren Greytrex said uh, that the horse had uh, suffered wind issues, that he thought it was a mature ride. I'll just quote you what um, the trainer told the Racing Post. He said, uh, they have to make a decision, but I think the lad in the situation did ride him to finish in the best position with a horse that hasn't been easy, has been keen, and hasn't been finishing his races. He was trying to do the best he could on that horse. Uh, they're saying he should have got stuck into him, but I disagree. Sometimes you have to give credit where it's due, and the young £7 claimer has given the horse the best ride he possibly could. Looking at the horse's history... I was happy with how he'd ridden it. Okay. Um, David Parry, well-known racehorse owner and syndicate manager for many years, uh, has been quite vocal on Twitter about the treatment that he received at Warwick on Saturday evening, where he was due to have a runner, but the runner was a non-runner quite late in the day, and the track then downgraded his owners and trainers' badges to general admission badges. Um, what do you think of that? Personally, I think it's a bit petty. We're used to, in the past, stories of owners taking advantage or even abusing a system, let's put it that way, uh, by um, 
declaring horses not running so that they can get into events. There were, there were controversies a few years ago, weren't there, with the, the Friday nights at Newmarket where it, it was felt that um, owners were just trying to get tickets to see the band after racing. Now, in this case, you still get general admission tickets. So there's no suspicion of that in this case. You still get into the race course and into the... Um, uh, it, it, into the, the the top enclosures but you don't get um into the owners and trainers facility you, you've you've paid your entry fees you've declared your horse you've then decided that the horse is not going to run personally I, I just think it's a bad look you know we we know what happens in situations like this i'm not having a go at, at david parry but most owners of lots of people in a circumstance like this will take to social media to air their grievances. I just don't see what the um, what the upside is for uh, racecourse owners like the Jockey Club, but I can see quite a big downside. It, it just seems to be I, I, the the word I would. I, would use is, is petty i just think that as a pr exercise it's a it's a the, the right thing just to say yeah your horse didn't run but you and your owners are welcome to come in if there's evidence of abusing that system then by all means look at it but there isn't in this case um remember that the uh, just recently uh, owners were um the, the the right of entry if you didn't if you don't have runners at a meeting through the roa scheme that has changed mm. um i feel that I just feel that we've got to be a little bit careful here. I'm, I'm not. I don't carry a flag for racehorse owners. I'm not one myself. But ultimately, they do put an awful lot into this sport for what, at the moment, are pretty meagre rewards. And I think that just trimming the borders like this, I think it's a. I think it's a bad look. But I also think that it's it's inclined that the the, the most important thing for any customer in any area of commerce is to make them feel welcome and if there are points if there are points at which those customers do not feel welcome then it's it's pretty obvious what's going to happen they're going to take their business they're going to take their money elsewhere and at the moment in british racing we are in a situation where we can ill afford for them to do that all right, well, it's got to that time of the year where our thoughts start turning to which international horses might show up at, at Royal Ascot. And you can add another couple to your list, courtesy of the Royal Palm Series, the inaugural Royal Palm Series, one race for juvenile Colts, one race for juvenile fillies that took place at Gulfstream Park on Saturday night. Two winners for the same trainer, you're thinking, Wesley Ward. Think again, it's George Weaver who supplied both winners and both have credentials to make you think that they could be interesting at the Royal Meeting. Nick Smith from Ascot is, is with me now. And Nick, an exciting uh, couple of horses to add to the list, I think, and, and good to see some some fresh blood. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, George Weaver has had a, a runner back in 2015. He had a he had cyclogenesis in the Commonwealth Cup, but that was clearly more of a sighter than, than these two two-year-olds are. I mean, they look pretty pretty useful on Saturday night. Uh, Nona Metz, obviously the, the Colts winner and Crimson Advocate, particularly uh, the Phillies the Phillies winner. That will be a, a very interesting um, uh, runner in the Queen Mary. I think, I mean, all credit really goes to the, the Gulfstream team and the first racing team on this. I mean, they came to us, Aidan Butler and Mike Lakehow and, and the team came to us and, and, and said, look, we, we, we'd like to do something, you know, in between the triple crown races to, to you know, to give the give the Gulfstream card a bit of a bit of context context and a bit of a boost. Um, and they came up with this idea of, of, of framing these two 
juvenile races, one for Colts, one for Phillies, uh, and with the best winner in the world, you know, <laughs> I thought one of two things will probably happen. Uh, we'll probably get two more Wesley Ward horses, great, um, or or, um, or the or the winning connections will probably say, well, the prize money was great, and 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 uh, we'll move on. But you know, George was straight after the race he's talking to your colleague out there Caitlin Brader talking to her on the TV saying yeah yep the Colts will go and uh, an hour and a half later yep the Philly will go so we've been in contact with George um, the testing and all the all the procedures were all in place and all systems go which is good news and it seems to have been a concept that's worked quite well and certainly No Name Mets who is owned by Alex Bregman who's the um, Houston Astros star he looks a horse who's got all the right sort of pedigree and credentials he's effectively a Coolmore horse really in, in any other name uh, yes, exactly. He's got all the right credentials. I mean, uh, the name gives the name gives that one up. That gives that one away quite easily, doesn't it? Um, and great to have a you know a high profile name like Alex Bregman on the um, on the list. Uh, whether or not he can get over uh, has to be slightly debatable because they're in the middle of their um, their baseball season. But you never know your luck. I mean, but uh, nevertheless, um, you know this will add to the Wesley Ward team. I mean, he's very strong. You know, we saw that fantastic American rascal a few weeks ago. Uh, the curling uh, Lady Aurelia um, contender. Uh, I mean, that that in itself is, is hugely exciting. Uh, we've also got entries over there from from Christophe Clement. Big Invasion was desperately unlucky. You'll have seen it on Church on, on the Kentucky Derby evening there, running into the back of just about every runner in the field. But he's a horse of tremendous ability, and really are hoping that Christophe um, and his son Miguel keep keep uh, pointing him towards the the King Stand because he he really has an awful lot of talent. So you know we, we we've got a you know we got a, 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 we're pretty optimistic about how the American title shape. Up this year. And what about the rest of the world? Japan, Australia, Hong Kong. What are you looking at? So Hong Kong, quite possibly Wellington. Um, he was entered, and, and Richard Gibson's keen to come. Uh, I mean, he's just seeing how, how he comes out of uh, out of that race in the Chairman's Sprint Prize. But you know, the vibes there are pretty good that he'll come. Um, you know, he was he he he, he represents top class sprinting form with the best will in the world. He's probably not uh, lucky swayness at, the, at this stage, but but uh, for the for the for now, what you have the Queen Elizabeth II Jubilee Stakes, he would be a leading contender on his consistent Group One form in Hong Kong for sure. Uh, Australia's strong again. Uh, Nature Strip seemed to have uh, uh, reversed that tide of of Australians staying at home, which is which is fantastic. And um, in Coolangatta, you've, you've got the top um, five furlong, one thousand meter horse in Australia, no doubt about that. Her form is outstanding. Um, I wish I win. Who who she beat in the Lightning? The Lightning being the key pointer to the King Stand, as we all know. Um, the horse that, that she beat in the Lightning. Um, I wish I win. Went on to win the TJ, the big six furlong race at the Championships in Sydney. So the form is rock solid. The Astrologist runs this week. He came. He was second in Dubai in the Al Quaz. He's going to run in the Duke of York Stakes this week. And all being well, he'll come on to, to Royal Ascot after that. Um, uh, Artorius is back, uh, or will be back. Uh, he's won a Group One in Canterbury since um, since uh, returning back to Australia. He's probably a better horse than he was last year, so he'll be very strong in the six furlong race. Uh, and a more speculative, speculative one, Cannonball, uh, has some good has some good form. Probably needs to step up, but definitely worth a try. So you know, we're, we're looking good. Obviously, as you know, no Japanese entries this year, which is which is a shame. Um, we are finding, uh, without doubt, that the powerful and enhanced card in the middle. East now, uh, Saudi and Maidan uh, is, is probably having an impact on on the number of horses that we'll see in the early part of the the season in Britain. But it's great that Panthalassa is going to come for the Sussex and the uh, international.
Nick Smith there with lots of good stuff Royal Ascot related. And in that uh, Royal Palm Colts race, No Name Mets beat a horse called Mattingly. Now, Mattingly is by Pucero, who ran such a good race in a vintage King stand behind Blue Point and Batash a few years ago and was owned by the Iron Horse Racing Stable that's marshaled by Harlan Malta, who we've been featuring on this podcast because it's Harlan's great quest to get a horse by Bucero, maybe get one from the Breeze Up sales, run it, do well, come to Ascot and complete the circle. So it has oh so nearly come off. I wonder if a Bucero progeny might yet run. Mattingly's run well enough behind No Name Mets. What does Harlan Malta think of the next phase of this journey? Well, I tell you, you know, I, I feel like if you guys could have kept your horses on the other side of the pond, um, the winner being by No Name Never out of a, a very nice uh, Irish mare that bred by Coolmore, um, I'd be going. But uh, we, we ran into kind of a buzzsaw, a really, really nice No Name Never um, who uh, was also making a first start uh, prepped by some people who are very highly respected uh, in Ocala and I think very highly touted. And um, we ran a fantastic race. We just got beat uh, on that day by a horse that was ready to go. And uh, But I think really, you know, uh, one of the questions, obviously, in making a decision to uh, head over to Ascot is, uh, you know, what do you have? And uh, we, I think we have to let it settle a little bit, see see kind of some of the speed figures that uh, some of the people come up with on the horses. But um, he did everything we possibly could have asked. So, you know, Nick, we saw each other in January. And uh, uh, while I was, you know, I like to say things I'd like to do, um, it's, it's sometimes harder to accomplish those. And we were really fortunate in March to, uh, there were really, there were only six Bucaros to choose from and um you know it was very possible that six of them were just not going to be ready to do the task we were asking buying a horse in the, the third week of march and putting him in a starting gate on on may 13th at a you know a hundred thousand dollar stakes and uh fortunately enough that they breezed and we really focused in on one that looked very mature um had a lot of the kind of um hard knocking attributes that Pucero had and uh we were fortunate enough to uh to get him it's a quick funny story i was there with the trainer joe orsino who obviously was uh, at Ascot with Imprimis and, and has a little bit of experience there and is, uh, you know, would love to go back. Uh, we were sitting bidding and uh, we had set a target about $60,000 and we bid 60 and we thought maybe we, we got him and just right off the bat, someone bid 65. And I look at John, I guess we're done. He said, Harlan, he said, if he's worth 60, he's worth 70. So we bid 70. We were very fortunate to get him and we kind of were off to the races and, and we got him down there and um, did everything right. Um, the race went to plan. Uh, we just couldn't run the horse down and probably got a little bit tired so here we are to get to to get to where the question was uh we've run a very very good race um we got obviously got beat by a very nice horse that i'm sure will head to ascot and uh now we just kind of have to map out how he comes out of the race and uh you know maybe i'll tap into some of my uh more knowledgeable english racing friends and you and uh, nick smith and some others that uh i'm familiar with in in the uk and, and get some uh, sage advice well, I want you to come, obviously, but clearly, you know, I guess I guess the point is, if you think that George Weaver's horse is a, a Norfolk Stakes horse or as, as good as the Wesley Flying Machines, then maybe you're a Windsor Castle horse with normal improvement. 100%. And, you know, I think that's, you know, you have to look at every horse. And it's very, very interesting. You know, I was talking to Joe and I was talking to some other people, our co-owner, uh, Harlow Stable, who uh, came in with this, this whole project with us. And... The way he did the race, um, he sat like a pro. Um, you know, the, the obviously the Noni never had a ton of speed, and but 
he did it in a professional way. And the way he lost, really, you could probably put your finger on just a little lack of fitness because we were on such a tight schedule. So it does give me a little bit of confidence that with that race into him and, um, you know, with a little bit more training um, that we're going to see, you know, an improved effort next out. He also has a um, he's built like a bull. And um, even in that race, uh, the no neighbor who seemed a little bit slighter in my mind, looking at him, took the turn very, very well. And we kind of just bowled around it, you know, lost some ground, you know, took a little time to straighten out. So there is part of me also that's optimistic that maybe uh, he'd like a straight run. Let's put it this way. Right now it's 50-50. There's lots of other parts uh, uh, in the decision-making process. But um, I think uh, regardless of whether we go to Ascot, Nick, I hope I would see you uh, if we could could take a a different path and end up meeting up at the Breeders' Cup in Santa Anita in the Juvenile Turf Sprint. But uh, we're obviously very, very excited about the debut. All right, Holland, I'll see you at Ascot. (laughs) <laughs> Nick, I know you've 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 uh, you've always given me good advice, so uh, this will uh, maybe put me to fifty-one or fifty-two percent now. Well, thank you to Harlan. Uh, I'm I'm shade of odds on that Mattingly makes Ascot. Uh, I'm long odds on that David Yates makes Ascot uh, with a, a number of uh, clients sporting fine silk toppers. David, um, God, I don't know how I managed to crowbar that in there, but I did. Anyway, I'm very he- glad you did. Here's your t- here's your tip for today. I'm going to Windsor for the 8:05 race tonight, Nick, and it's Kramer Inglaser, the top weight. I think that's just about custard in Italian. This horse goes really well fresh, makes her return to action here, and is just two pounds above her last winning mark. Combining Jamie and Safi Osborne, Safi, of course, will be riding with plenty of confidence at the moment. Let's hope she can get another winner. 8:05 race at Windsor. Selection number one, Crema Inglesa. David, thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back to do it all over again tomorrow. That was Monday, the 15th of May. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.